Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast. At Basana Health, we focus on whole body wellness, connecting physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. We are wellness collaborators with our members, and we embrace our community partnerships. Basana Health promotes holistic and functional care while focusing on transformative lifestyle changes. Welcome to our podcast, where you can take a virtual step towards optimizing your own health and wellness. Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast, episode number 32. Today, we'll hear from Susan Eichhorst, our physician associate, who will tell us about fake foods. You'll want to listen in, as you may not know some of the hidden things or what you may actually be eating in your foods. Hi, everyone. I'm Susan Eichhorst. I'm a physician assistant here at Basana Health and Wellness. And thanks for joining in. Today, I'd like to talk on our webinar series about fake food. I mean, do you really know what you're eating? Fake food has been quite the problem for many, many years. It goes all the way back to ancient times. But before we go into what fake food is, I think it's important to talk about what food is. Food is, by definition, any nutritious substance that people or animals eat or drink or that plants absorb in order to maintain life and growth. This is pretty important because really fake food is any product that is not what you think you are buying or eating. It doesn't have anything to necessarily do with nutrition, although in the end it does, but it really is about a fraudulent act. As I mentioned, this is as old as markets are or as food vendors are. There's always been a time when we've been trying to use other foods to pretend they're they're a more expensive food or a more abundant food. And that is really a defrauding of the consumers economically, but it is literally making us sick and in many situations actually killing us. There's a number of foods that fall into the fake food or fraudulent food category. Today, I'm going to concentrate on a couple that I think are the most important, perhaps just because they're so profoundly, prolifically used in our society and frequently are quite fraudulent and so very harmful. So I want to start off with olive oil. This is probably one of the more important ones that I think is important to understand about. Olive oil, most people know, is really the elixir of longevity, kind of the secret to the Mediterranean diet, real extra virgin olive oil is very high in omega-3 fatty acids. That's what makes it such a wonderful product. High in antioxidants, high in polyphenols, very high in vitamin A, D, and E, which are all fat-soluble vitamins, and is a very powerful anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. Oils and fats are what make up our cell membranes. And as many of you already know of me, I'm a hormone specialist. So I'm always talking about cell membranes and receptors, which is where our hormones fit into and activate our cell to do its job. To give you a little bit of a background, the average Greek consumes on average one liter of olive oil, extra virgin native olive oil every two weeks. The average Italian or Spaniard consumes just over a liter in a month. Here in the United States, even though we are the third largest market for olive oil, we consume less than one liter in a year on average. And I'm going to show you that most of that olive oil is actually fraudulent and fake or has already been uh, rancid by the time it hits your shelves. So here's a little tidbit. Italy is the largest exporter of olive oil. I don't think anybody is surprised to hear that. Everything is made in Italy. Italy is also the world's largest 
importer of olive oil. And some of that could certainly be for their own personal needs. There are many other countries, Morocco, Spain, Australia, that do make great olive oil. And some of the demand out of Italy may be an increased need for it. But wait, 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 why are they the largest importer if they're also the largest exporter? And some of that could be accounted for in blending of their oils. The extra virgin olive oil is actually the very first press of the fruit. And one of the other things that we know about olives is they don't ship very well. So that fruit has to be pressed in a fairly timely fashion. And in some companies, that is as quick as three to four hours after picking. Others can be a little bit longer, but most of this is actually pressed and site. And then the oil is what is shipped. Many experts have really presumed that very few Americans have actually tasted high quality olive oil. And that's why in just asking a lot of Americans, do you like olive oil? They say, no, it tastes really, it's got a weird taste. It's really pungent. It's just too strong. They probably haven't tasted fresh pressed olive oil. So the fake or fraudulent EVOO, if it's not truly extra virgin olive oil, it really negates all these health benefits that we've talked about and you're not getting anything and probably getting a worse outcome actually. So how do we fraudulently make olive oil? So it's frequently diluted with less expensive oils. You can use a soybean or sunflower. These have a very mild taste to almost negligible taste. They blend easily and they can pass standard regulation testing at the source once they've been blended. You can also dilute it with an inferior form of an olive oil. And then again, that destroys the health benefits of the EVOO. You can produce extra virgin olive oil at the very lowest grade of the regulatory spectrum. So this may pass inspection, but it degrades so quickly and turns rancid that by the time it actually reaches us consumers in the United States, it's not really illegal, but is this a moral way to make a product? We end up with an inferior product. They end up with selling it off as something else. Not really illegal, but not a great option. Interestingly, Australia has become one of the most consistent producers of extra virgin olive oil due to its very strict and enforced governing rules. So don't get fooled by that it has to come from the Mediterranean to be a high quality product. I think the other thing that's important to look at, and we'll talk about this more when I talk about what can you do, is to actually not look at an expiration date, but look for a pressed date so that you can tell when that oil was actually pressed into that oil. While we're talking about oils, I think it's a fun time to bring up truffle oil. In reality, there's almost no truffle oil out there in the world. There is so little truffle oil that this fake stuff is really more of an artificial food product than a copy of the real thing, according to Larry Olmsted, who wrote a very interesting book called Real Food, Fake Food. Truffle oil is not made from this precious fungi that is hunted by pigs in a very secluded area in Elba, Italy. It is really a chemical cocktail that is mixed up in a laboratory. So what's on those truffle fries and why do they charge us $15 for them? Really, this is a product you do not want to consume. If you get teased into trying truffles, make sure they are actual truffles and that you are probably overseas eating them or in a very, very high-end restaurant here in the United States. The next topic or uh, food product I want to talk about is honey. Honey is made by bees who eat plant nectar and pollen, and then they go back to their beehive and they formulate this 
awesome product. But fake honey is anything that has been changed from its original pure form or if it's harvested early. It isn't honey if it's harvested early. Honey is highly fraudulent. Experts estimate 30% of the global market is fraudulent and possibly 70% of the U.S. market is actually fraudulent honey. And curiously, there's more Manuka honey sold than is even possible for the bees that feed on the Manuka plant in New Zealand to produce. So we know that there's other things going into these products and being sold as if they are the product that you think you're buying. So fake honey. Fake honey can be honey that is then mixed with other sugars from corn, beet, cane, rice, wheat. Any of those sugars mixed in with honey can still be called honey. They can also harvest unripe honey and harvest it before the honey sugars have actually turned into honey. So that then becomes a fraudulent form of honey. You can also feed your honeybees a high di a diet high in processed sugars. And now the honey is actually made from processed sugars, not from the plant nectar or the pollen that these honeybees would have been harvesting or collecting. And then lastly, you can also filter honey to remove pollen. So you can actually disguise it from where it comes from and disguise its origin and, and say it's from somewhere else. So really, I think honey is one of those products that you really need to be very cautious about. It is found in numerous foods, and more than likely, it is not the original product or the actual product that you think it may be. And again, we'll talk more about how you can avoid these products and towards the end of this talk. I want to talk now about rice, but before we get into rice, I think it's important to talk about microplastics. Microplastics first discovered in the waters in around 1999 are any size plastics that fall into the realm of one micron up to five millimeters in size. So these are small pieces of plastics that have broken off from bigger pieces of plastics and are now freely floating in our water. They've also found their way into almost all of our rice, into our salt, tea, milk. We find them in seaweed, sugar, honey, beer, vegetables, soft drink, tap water. We are finding microplastics everywhere in our world. We really have to be cautious about salt and rice because almost all of them are contaminated with microplastics unless you're specifically looking for products that have been cleaned of them. And rice is one of the most notorious for having contamination with microplastics. The other problem with rice is that rice has very high arsenic levels that are found in nearly all the rice patties throughout the world. This is a natural chemical within the rice, and then it accumulates in the standing water. Again, this isn't quite fake, but it's still pawning it off that it's healthy. But where we get into real trouble, and I believe is more of a fake product, is these high contaminations with microplastics that seep in through not only the water, but the soil as well. And then also pick up more microplastics from the machines that are used to pick the rice, store the rice, move the rice through production. Curiously, an Australian study found that microplastics were found in every sample of rice from whether it was taken from a supermarket or a bulk store and regardless of its origin. Thailand, India, Pakistan, Australia, and whether it was wrapped in plastic or paper. So we have now figured out that these microplastics are just ubiquitous. They are everywhere. And experts really just recommend it's time to avoid eating rice. You can rinse rice repeatedly to remove the arsenic and some of those 
microplastics, but do consider that most people worldwide can only rinse their rice and tap water that probably has microplastics in it. So right here, it's a better reason to just go and eat wild rice, which is actually a grass, not a grain. And here in the United States, Lundquist makes most of our wild rice, and that is a pure and I believe organic form. Quinoa and rice cauliflower are both options for rice as well. I want to slip into our proteins now. I think this is one area where many things can be pawned off as something else. Again, there's a big controversy. Is this really fake food or is it just a misconception of what we are really eating? You know, most people are not aware that 99% of the chicken that we eat here in the United States is actually one breed. It's a Cornish cross hen and that's made by Purdue and Tyson. You know, we have a real problem if we do get a bad bird flu in this country because most of our chicken and probably most of our turkeys will be wiped out. You know, when you look at the history of poultry in our country in 1920s, it took around three months to take a chick and raise it to a full grown chicken broiler that came out at about two and a half to three pounds in size, smaller breasts, smaller chicken. This was a chicken that was actually eating on the farm, eating whatever a chicken eats. Now, in today's world, it takes less than seven weeks to raise a chick to a six to 12 pound broiler due to genetic selection, but also selecting for these chickens that primarily have very, very large breasts. They cannot stand in their cages. They can't walk around. And frankly, you can't take one of these breeds of chicken and put it in your backyard. It will die. It has genetically been selected to eat grains primarily, to eat things that will fatten it up, encourage early growth. These birds are much more prone to disease and injury. And regrettably, the meat is very rubbery. It tastes really bland and you can actually see the difference. It's white striped instead of being more pink. Again, the industry is not lying. This is chicken. So here, it's not a clear cut of fraudulent because they are telling us what it is. But I do think it's a misconception of, is this really a chicken if we have selected this to be such a large bird that it can't even live on its own? That to me is not a healthy bird. When we look into protein as beef, the beef that is industrial raised in feedlots and, and fed grain, these are really problematic animals. Again, highly disease prone. When you eat a burger, you may have a beef from different sources that are mixed up into that one burger. And we really don't have a great way to track individual cows within these industries. I think more alarming is really things like beef additives something called colloquially pink slime. But in the industry, this is called lean, finely textured beef or LFTB, or also boneless beef lean trimmings, BBLT. Now you may not know that you're actually eating these products. These are meat byproducts that are used as fillers in especially ground beef. They are made into a paste after the fat is removed from all the trimmings that have been taken off the bones of these carcasses because these are carcasses that have been laying around. They are quite disease or rather bacteria prone. They are treated with an ammonia bath to kill the bacteria. And then this paste is made after they remove the fat from all these trimmings. And that is then put into our ground beef as a filler. 
Curiously, I think you can have a good 30% of the product can be this lean, finely textured beef. As I mentioned, it is treated with an ammonia bath to kill bacteria. And here in the United States, the FDA has approved this to be safe. And we call this generally regarded as safe is the designation that it gets by the FDA. Interestingly, this product is not allowed in Canada due to the use of ammonia. And it's banned for human consumption in Europe. So we're really the only country that we regularly use this from our first world kind of neighbors. Also, curiously, in 2018, December of 2018, the USDA actually reclassified lean, finely textured beef or pink slime as ground beef. So they don't even have to tell you that this is in your product. You don't need to know it. To me, that is fake food. The next part with beef is just what is in that product. So I was very surprised to learn that Kobe beef is actually illegal to import into the United States. There is zero opportunity to have true Kobe beef in the the United States. So if you see it on a restaurant menu, it's not, or they've illegally brought it in. And then there was a very, fairly well-known, I remember this happening back in 2013 in the United Kingdom, there was a horrible scandal where horse meat had gotten into their ground beef system and really was found in 27 of the 34 samples that were taken had undeclared or improperly declared meat. And although horse meat is eaten in many parts of the world, here the real problem is not, is this a health hazard, but it really points to the lack of transparency within the food industry that we don't even know what's going into our food and that there isn't any way to continue to to monitor this. What came of this is Scotland Yard actually made a whole division for fraudulent food and specifically to do better transparency on where food was coming into the country, how it was being incorporated into the processing of their food and a better tracking method so that they could trace their food sources. Many people are thinking, well, let's just go to plant-based meats instead, and I'm going to pick on impossible meat and beyond meat today. Not truly fake because they have told us that these are not meats, but what is a little disturbing is, especially for the Impossible Foods brand, they clearly say in their mission that they've embraced the responsible constructive use of genetically modified foods. So their soy is all GMO and they're very proud of this. The real bottom line with GMO foods is we're not 100% with respect to what a GMO product does when we eat it, but we do know that products are GMO designed so that they can withstand higher doses of pesticides and herbicides without killing the main product. So we know that there's more herbicides and pesticides in these products just by convention. Impossible Meats has also got a patent on a GMO product that produces a heme-like molecule or protein that acts like blood. And that's why their burgers kind of look like they bleed and they act like there's real blood in there. And again, there's a real concern over what does that mean? What is that protein? What is that molecule? What does that mean for humans? Beyond Meats may be a little bit better. They are still an alternative for meat. They're non-GMO. They don't use soy. They use other products to make this, but they do use Expeller canola oil. There's a little bit of speculation on how healthy is Expeller versus chemically refined canola oil, which none of us endorse. And maybe that first pass Expeller extraction of canola oil is not as bad. It's still not our preferential, 
but in small amounts might be okay. But they do use methyl cellulose as a bonding agent. We know this is truly a laxative and it may certainly affect a number of people in that way. And they state that they have natural flavors. Natural is basically unregulated in the food and supplement industry in the United States. So we don't know what's in there. Fraudulent, a little bit iffy, probably not. It already tells us it's fake meat. But again, we don't always know what those substances mean within it. And I think that's really the caution here and what I'm trying to impress on people. Looking at protein from a fish perspective, predominantly most of the fish that we eat here in the States is farmed. And farmed fish is getting better. The technology is getting better, but it's still got a lot of ways to go. You know, that water may get pesticides to kill bacteria, antibiotics. There's really no, no regulation on the fishing industry worldwide. See the movie Seaspiracy on Netflix. So that pushes so much more of the industry into a farmed technology, but I think we're still a little bit of ways of getting good high quality fish and not hurting the ocean in that respect. Maybe as big a problem, and here's where kind of the fake food comes in, is the mislabeling of fish species and the sources. This is rampant. You know, you there's about, I think I read 30 different white fish that can be called white fish. So you don't know where this came from. You don't know who sourced it. You don't know how it was raised. And you really don't know what you're eating if that's all it says. And then things like packaging practices, things like shrimp that may have been caught one place and then as in China and shipped from China to Taiwan to be cleaned and processed and bagged so that it doesn't have a Chinese label on it. So this is fraudulent to me. I don't know where this came from. I don't know how long it's been out on the seas. Where did, why did it go from here to there to get processed? And how long did it take to get back to me? Was it unthawed during that time? There's a lot of unknowns with that respect. While we're talking seafood and sushi here, again, whitefish can be any number of whitefish. So you really don't know what you're getting in that respect. And that lobster roll you might be eating probably isn't lobster. Lobster is very expensive. It's time consuming to catch. It's very time consuming to clean and deshell. So it's probably more likely langostino or whiting or haddock. Again, health harm? No. Fraudulent? Yeah, I'm paying X amount of money for a lobster roll and really I'm not getting that. You know, so if you think, look at minced lobster, like think ravioli, this may actually be minced scraps from the shells and the legs. And again, not fake, but not choice lobster meat. The other thing to consider is we've now found microplastics in mussels. That means they're ingesting them. So if they're in mussels, more than likely we're going to see them in oysters and in other shellfishes. And you always have to be careful of heavy metals. Again, we don't usually announce these things on our foods. So if you're a tuna eater regularly, you have to expect you're getting some mercury that is probably not what you want. Truly fraudulent? No, but not healthy. So why? Why is this happening? Well, follow the money. Lots of things are cheaper if we dilute them. Lots of things are cheaper if I use a cheaper product. And how concerned should you be? Well, it's really the dose that makes the poison. So if you eat this every so often, 
it's probably not going to be a big issue. But if this is something that you really like to enjoy on a regular basis and you eat a lot of sushi, you really truly may not be knowing what you are getting. And more than likely, it's not what you think it is. You're also letting someone else tell you this is food when you may not really know what is in here. And frankly, they may not either, although frequently they might. Are you chronically ill? If you're chronically ill, then it may be something in your food. And even if you're trying to do the right things, it may be something that you don't even know is in your food and that you may have a food sensitivity to or are trying to avoid. And I always like to look, do you have grandchildren or children? What are we leaving them? How are we teaching them? What are we leaving our industry to help with their health or their sickness in time? So what to do? I'm always one to go back to starting with filtering your water. Tap water is not harmful necessarily, but it may have more microplastics than we need. It also has other acceptable harmful particles, small amounts of pharmaceuticals, too much fluoride, too much chlorine. It's always wise to filter your water or get a reverse osmosis system in your house. Berkey water filters, aqua filter, Brita filter will at least filter out chlorine. Not sure how great it is at all our microplastics, especially the super small ones. With respect to rice, always a good idea to rinse rice well. Now, again, if you just do that with tap water, you don't know what you're rinsing with. Our tap water is safe, but that doesn't mean that it has very small particles that you want to be ingesting in it. So rinse it with filtered water numerous times or really get away from eating rice. It's probably not your healthiest choice. We all need to read labels. We've got to learn what's in our food. Someone else is putting that there. Someone else is making the decision if it's safe. Someone else is making the decision if it's healthy for you. It's really important to read labels. You know, other foods that are notoriously fake, orange juice, apple juice, probably cut with other juices or sugars, teas, coffee, vanilla extract, maple syrup, wine, saffron. Read these labels. See, is it true saffron? What else is in it? Is that maple syrup actually have other sugars added to it? If it's pure maple syrup from Vermont, you're good to go. And it's probably going to cost you a good 12 bucks to buy a small jar of it. Don't be surprised that better foods are going to cost money, but also don't be fooled into thinking that more expensive products are actually the real thing. What else to do? Buy locally. Source your food from local farmers. Find these farmers markets that are really selling organic foods and get to know them. Invest in their farms so that we increase this demand and they bring more of these foods to us. Go to your local farmer's market. I go to Wiltmore. It's a flower shop and I buy honey there. I know where it comes from. It comes from Larkspur, from a local honeybee grower. So then we also invest in our community, but we know we're getting locally sourced honey. Buy local eggs. That's another great opportunity to know that we can usually find some local farmers that have these products that we really want. With respect to salt just avoids table salt. You know, salt itself has gotten such a bad rap, but what's really gotten a horrible rap is sodium chloride. That's Morton's or table salt. National Geographic did a study that probably 90% of our table salt is contaminated with microplastics. So right there is a good reason to get rid of it. But it also has no nutritional value and it raises blood sugar and it increases peripheral edema or swelling in the body. 
things like sea salts don't do that. They have numerous, and I mean numerous, upwards to 80 different minerals within that salt. So you can source microplastic free sea salts, Colima brand, only salt, oceanic salt, all of these claim that they've done third-party studies on this. They don't have any microplastics in them. Again, you may pay a little bit more. You're probably going to use a tiny little bit less because boy, these tastes are really bursting and very salty. So you probably won't need as much, but you're going to get a lot more health from this and get rid of those plastics. With respect to olive oil, buy olive oil that prints its press date right on it and then use it, drizzle it on everything, cook with it, roast with it. It may really change your outcome long-term, but we do want to make sure you're getting good, high quality, extra virgin olive oil. There is a source called the Olive Oil Hunter. He's TJ Robinson, who really goes around the world and sources out superior olive oils. You can join his subscription club that will send you olive oils that he has found. I like to use my local purveyor. I go to a place in Littleton called EVOO Market. Right there, it'll tell you what country it came from and when that olive was pressed. So I frequently will buy kind of a mild olive oil out of Portugal. I purchased Australian olive oil and I like to buy those within about six months of when they've been pressed if possible. And the bottom line is just don't eat truffle oil. It's not worth it. You're paying a ton of money for something that is just bogus and garbage and really who even knows what's in it. It's hundred percent chemical. And I bet the oil's not even good. I really endorse meat eating. I am fine with people that follow a primarily plant-based diet. And I think that is important, but I also think that we have vilified meat eating based on the meat and what the meat ate, not on eating meat itself. So really go out of your way to eat grass fed and grass finished beef and bison. Organic meat really just means there's no pink slime. There is no antibiotics, growth hormone, or GMO product, but it still may be grain fed. And for most of us, that is not an acceptable form of meat. Meat that is grass fed and grass finished actually has higher omega-3s and higher vitamin B12 than fish. So really by finding a good resourced restorative farm, you can definitely do yourself a favor to eat meat in that respect. You want to look for pasture-raised poultry and eggs. These are chickens that are free to live outside, eat what little grubs they want, any insects, gravel, and then all the seeds they like. And they are going to walk right past the wheat seed. They're going to walk right past the corn. They don't eat those products. Find pasture-raised pork. Again, same concept. It is eating what a pig eats. It is not being fed a grain diet to fatten it up. And then finally, if you are going to eat fish, do make sure that's wild-caught salmon and, and other fish so that you know that you're doing the best for the environment, but also for your own health. I like to support committed restorative farms and ranches. I've found Cook's Venture is fabulous for chickens. They have a wonderful heirloom chicken that's about three to four pounds as the old chicken. U.S. Wellness Meats, I like for my meats. They're out of Missouri. Wild Pasture and Grassroots Farm Farmers Co-op are both awesome options for looking into restoratively raised foods. Here's just some easy take-homes. It's not food if it arrived through a window of your car. It's just not. There is just no way. And there's all sorts of garbage in there. It's not food if it's the same name in every language. Is it a Big Mac everywhere you go? Cheetos, Pringles, not real food. Don't ingest foods made in places where everyone is required to wear a surgical cap. 
doesn't make any sense. Obviously, synthetically fake food. And if it comes from a plant, eat it. If it was made in a plant, don't. Michael Pollan, food rules. I always like to think we really are just cave people, cavemen and women with caveman genes. We're living in a very toxic 21st century world with a lot of toxic foods, a lot of additives, synthetic foods now are microplastics. So it really is the best adage to listen to Michael Pollan in his indefensive food, eat food, not too much, mostly plants, and you can't go wrong. I certainly hope this was helpful to help you start to think about the foods that you eat, what is in there. This topic is ginormous, and I've only really just started to touch on it. You can look into a lot of other information on your own. I highly recommend anything that Michael Pollan writes about food. The other gentleman that now I can't remember his name that wrote Fake Food, Real Food, very fascinating book that goes into a little more detail about a lot of this stuff. And just beware that really... Most of our food industry is not interested in your health. They're only interested in your dollars. And it is up to us to make these differences. I look forward to seeing you again. And thanks so much for joining in. Thanks. The Sun Health and Wellness Podcast is brought to you by Atagi Plastic Surgery and Atagi Skin Aesthetics. Check us out at atagimd.com. A-T-A-G-I-M-D.com. We offer plastic surgery, skin aesthetics, non-surgical treatments, and hormone therapy. Some of the many things we offer include Botox, dermal fillers, Exolist skin tightening, Kybella, skin aesthetics, all therapy, Vanquish fat reduction, PRP hair restoration, PRP breast lift, and hormone health. Follow us on our website at atagimd.com to learn about all of our specials and events each month. Some of our specials include monthly discounts off products and services or wrinkle-free Wednesdays. Check us out at atagimd.com.